it's episode 257 of Aaron's Eye View, and we got a special bonus episode for you, don't we, Andrew? Yeah. What? We're reviewing things. Yeah, we're gonna um, we're gonna review Chirac. Chirac. Did I say it right? Yep. It's not Chirac. No, I don't think so. It's not Chirac. Nah. Uh, that's a Spike Lee film. Yup. We're gonna review that. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we're going to review Legend. Yes. That's a film with Tom Hardy. And Tom Hardy. And Tom Hardy, yeah. And Tom Hardy. It, just two. Okay. The third one is a secret. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He just shows that at the very last scene. You're like, oh my God, there's a third brother the it whole time. It was Tom Hardy the whole time. Oh my God. Uh, and then we well, saw... I walk onto, this, onto the scene, so that's yeah. why. And then we got a review of Joy. Oh. That's the Jennifer Lawrence film. Right. Yeah. Uh, you had a thing you wanted to say real quick. Uh, it is... Let's see here. Star Wars has been out for three weeks. And we have another weekend of almost $100 million, $90 million at the box office. It is grossed almost $750 million domestic, and it's quickly about to overtake, uh, what, Titanic? And, yeah, and Avatar. And Avatar. Mm-hmm. Like, it is, it is quickly becoming the best movie. Not a surprise. As far as, like, money making in the box office. It's incredible. Mm-hmm. Um really cool and uh one article i read is because people are seeing it more than once mm-hmm. like they, there's no other way to, to explain these numbers except people are going back and that's i think that tells you a lot about the movie and uh, yeah. i'm happy with our review of it i think benson's seen it five times now i've seen it four yeah i'm still at two but you know it's good yeah like it's strange you think i'd get sick of it my dad my dad was like no one was good and i'm like yeah you have no heart <laughs> uh so anyway, uh, just just a reminder. Uh, in this episode, we might get into some light spoilers. On, oh yeah, um, yeah, on on each of the all reviews. of the movies. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but but you know, you're getting some fair warning now. Our and, format's uh, a little different, but you'll you'll appreciate it. Yeah. So and next week we'll come back with a review of something. I don't know. Uh, movies are coming out, aren't movies, they? Yeah, movies are still coming. But yeah. it didn't just stop at Star Wars. I th- I think that's the last movie ever made. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Well, we'll have to ask uh, time traveling Benson. Nice. That's right. He. He came from the future? Right. Right? Yeah. Uh, all right, so here we go. This is an emergency. This is an emergency. Homicides in Chicago, Illinois, have surpassed the death toll of American Special Forces in Iraq. Hey, Ptolemy. Welcome to Chirac. Chirac, where we at, my city? Misery and strife. Everybody here got a man banging and slanging, fighting for the flag, risking that long zip with a cadaver bag. All to the bang bang. Bang bang. It all started with a gorgeous Nubian sister. What's up, Spinner? They call her Alyssa Strauss, a woman like no other. You just try taking away their guns. Okay, okay, the dirty poppers. Cause my gun go boom, I'll make sure a Trojan end up in the next All right. Well, what else do they love? Repeat after me. I will deny all rights of access or entrance. I will deny all rights of access or entrance. Mr. Strata had them all take a solemn oath. Lock it up! Stop the murder madness or there would be no more pope. The situation's out of control because I'm in front of an empty stripper pole. That's right. You get snubbed. Oh, snap. We gonna make sure these fools put down these guns. Police size, every day. 
People dying every day. Mama's crying every day. Father's trying every day. Trying to get my head straight. It's the city of Chirac, man. Get your bed, man. Do you want justice? Please pray for my city. Too much hate in my city. Too many heartaches in my city. But I got faith in my city. This Chirac and I love that. You can't take it away from my city. Some can't relate to my city. They die every day in my city. Chirac. Yeah. Who who did this film? Spike Lee. Yeah. Uh, and it's based on uh, a play uh, called Lysistrata, uh, yeah. which was written by Aristophanes, uh, an ancient Greek play. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's based on that, but it's set in modern day, you know, Chicago, mm-hmm. uh, which they call Chirac. Yeah. This is very different than... Uh watching Macbeth, which I did the day before this. Mm-hmm. So seeing two different movies based on two different plays done in two different ways mm-hmm. was kind of shell shock. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, they call it Chirac because uh, of how, uh, I guess, the, the, the amount They're of people that died. To, to Iraq. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, gang violence. It's uh, This is very much a message movie. And... Uh, I don't think uh, the word message can be understated here. <laughs> I don't think there's anything understated about this movie. No. There's not a single understated no. or subtle no. thing in the entire film. I I was looking... So we saw this a little ways back. But right. I was looking looking it up for some reason, and I was like, oh, yeah, John Cusack's in this. Yeah. Like, I'd forgotten, and then I remembered, and I was like, wow, that was really... Oh boy! And that scene, <laughs> that scene in the church was just like, oh man, I don't like, I don't. It's like this is uh, insane. It's like is, what is, uh, what is going on right now? Oh goodness. Um, let me let me give a little background. Okay, please. Lysistrata, please. The original Lysistrata, the play, uh, was about how there was a, a, a war going on in in Greece, uh, a civil war. Uh, it was between it was two different cities, I believe. I can't quite remember. I read it. For sure. I read yeah. it, but it was like two years ago. Mm-hmm. But that's the thing. I read it, and what I saw didn't really match what it yeah. is. See, what? Because what? the basic of it is that one woman, Lysistrata, mm-hmm. uh, decides that she will not. That's an interesting thing that he changed the name of the name of the play is the oh, name yeah. of the woman, mm-hmm. and the name of the movie is the name of the guy. Uh, yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's. I, I don't know. I didn't. I didn't. There's a lot of on. Oh, there's wow. a lot of problems that I have with this wow. film. But let me just okay, let me try please, and describe. Please go ahead. I'm is, sorry. The actual Lysistrata. Yes, yes. I'm sorry. This this one woman decides. Hey, how about we stop our men from fighting by not giving them what they want, which is us. We will not allow men to be with us unless they stop fighting. And so Lysistrata kind of bands together all of her friends and all of the women. Eventually, all join together. Oh. Yeah, because it's the women of Sparta and mm-hmm. Thebes yeah, and yeah. many other areas, and it's right at the end of the of a of a big war. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, so the the crazy thing is, like, this was like just this whole play. The idea of this play was insane to be performed at the time, 
the idea of you know the women having that much power and right. resisting of the men and yeah, all these huge all these this crazy was, ideas. This was written in the BC people. This yeah. was a long time ago. <clears throat> and uh, I mean, there's for me, there's like a couple of classic scenes in the in the play that I remember. And they kind of take them and twist them and make them not as good in the film. I'm going right, to say because right. there's a there's a scene in the in the play where um, Lysistrata she has a, a friend who uh, uh, who who's like in into a man who thinks he's like the shit. He's like, oh, I'm the best. I'm I'm the greatest lover. I'm the greatest everything. And uh, and the basically the the friend like uh, you know pretends like she's going to seduce him and then leaves him you know high and dry. Mm-hmm. And that scene is kind of in this movie. But not. But totally not. But not. Yeah, and it's it's like oh that scene was so much better the way it was actually written rather than right. what we get in this film, which is yeah. so bizarre. Uh, and they throw in like a lot of extra characters. Like there's a whole uh, uh, subplot going on in this film in Chirac where um, Jennifer Hudson is a, a mother whose child died in a drive-by shooting. Right. And that is that's like I say subplot. It's like fifty percent of the movie. Fifty percent. Uh. Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of weird stuff going on, and it is it becomes like uh, in 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 the scope of the play, it was just a couple of cities. In the scope of this film, it's the world. Yeah, the world the joins together. The entire world is affected. Yeah, which which is just too huge. It's too big. Well, d- Andrew, don't you know about social media? <clears throat> oh god, and the way I think Spike Lee doesn't know about social media. Yeah, can we also talk about how like the first like what five minutes of this film was like a, a weird spoken word music video? A lyric video. What do they call that? I don't. Where the words slam that you're hearing poetry. happen on the screen. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what that's. That's called. a on YouTube. They make like people make lyric I, videos. That's I, what that looked like. And I was like, I'm wow. Are we? I got here? to this movie late. Oh, okay, so you missed the spoken word poetry. I wa- yeah, lyric video uh-huh. going on. It's probably for the best. You would. I think you would have gotten the message better if you were there for that. Oh yeah. Yeah. You think yeah. I would have gotten more? You from would have the really film? understood the message of this film. <laughs> No, and I think oh, I mean goodness. I I think it's noble for a film to try and have a message, but this one just really goes over the top on it. I think one of the greatest things that artists do is they they hide messages inside of plots. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Where you come away from it learning learning something, mm-hmm. and that message kind of sticks with you while you're also enjoying a story. Whereas this is it's taking the message. And it's putting on it a big billboard. Yep. And it's putting it at the top of the screen. And then every once in a while, people do stuff and then point at the billboard. Yeah. Yes. And then you're like, oh, yeah, no, that billboard's there. And then the movie keeps happening. And then people point at it again. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that happens throughout the entire film. Yeah. I think some of the saving graces of this film, Samuel Jackson. Oh, it's fantastic. Dolmedes. Oh, my God. That's, that's just a delightful name and a, and a wonderful... He kind of acts as a, as a narrator, a Greek chorus. He's amazing. Where he kind of... He helps us through this film because at points we're like, what are we doing right now? Yeah, and he what pops up even is he, this? And he starts rhyming and it's great. That's a lot of fun. Uh, He's, that, is, that is maybe some of the most well-written stuff in the entire film. Mm-hmm. Like... Most stuff falls flat in this. Yeah. But he is, he's great, and I think it's because of his charisma. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think uh, the woman who plays Lysistrata, Teona Paris, she's really great. I mean, I don't think she's given the greatest stuff to work with. Yeah, and she's kind of just, I don't know. Whenever she was talking to people and she started to like use her body mm-hmm. to say things, I was like, cough, come, 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 come on. <laughs> no. 
no, I think, uh, look, no. Let me please. let me stack. Let me say she's better than Nick Cannon in this film. Oh well, yeah, yeah. Nick Cannon felt like he got lost and accidentally walked into this film. From which uh, a rumor that I heard, and Benson kind of backed this up, that it was really supposed to be Kanye West who was playing that, that character. Way better. <laughs> So, I mean, I think that makes more sense even, but also, I don't know if he'd be better. Yeah, I don't think Kim would let him. I think that's why. I don't think Kanye would let him. Yeah. He would stop himself. Yep. Well, because uh, you've seen him whenever someone <laughs> catches a picture of him and he's smiling, he's like, oh, shit. Yeah. Puts his face normal again. Um, I'm really confused what Wesley Snipes was doing in this film. Being funny. <laughs> I, I Was that funny? I don't know what he was. He, he was, was sometimes, he I had mean. a lot of facial tics. And I almost saw him as a comic on. relief because of just how ridiculous he was. And he's recently been on a TV show where he's he's pretty good and he's just being a badass. What, oh, that the uh, hard target? No, what is no, that called? It's uh, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Vegas player. man. Yeah, I'm and a Vegas man. That one's pretty decent because it's got the, the main characters from another show I really like mm-hmm. called Strike Back. So... I'm I'm predisposed uh, predisposed to enjoy that. He also had an eye patch. Let's and not forget. yeah, and uh, always wearing those. What was he wearing? Orange. Yeah, yeah, they, they were they, orange. And the other. Yeah, everyone. Mechanics people were purple. Everyone was rocking Lakers gear. Yeah, it was uh, really something. Uh, and then yeah. I I think a lot of my problems with with the film actually come down to um, the so there's a there's a mayor character, right? who's the mayor of Chicago mm-hmm. and uh, he's, he's kind of shown to be like a real sleazebag. Like he's, yeah. he's super against what Lysistrata is doing. He wants to shut that down. He's worried about the PR mess that Basically, it's going to make. But he also, he hates her message. Every, every male character in this film is a misogynist. Yeah. They're aside from the priest. Even then he's got his own, but yeah, he's, stuff he's on. got his own agenda where he's, he's pushing his gospel, if mm-hmm. you will. Mm-hmm. But I mean, he's the, the nicest male character in the entire film. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's got like one redeeming scene where he's talking to Nick Cannon about like why he's a priest in this, in this place. Yeah. And, but I mean, that's the closest we get to a good male character. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, come on, it's not, I'm not even that worried about that. I just think when you follow what, what goes on with the mayor, uh-huh. the mayor's like this horrible character. He's yeah. kind of, I mean, he's she, he's got an African-American wife. Yeah. Like so he model. thinks he's, he thinks he's good or whatever. Yeah. Like he, but he makes a lot of horrible comments. Yeah. He's not a good person. All the men do. But then when you get to the end of the film, the mayor is standing up right along with like Lysistrata and the other people who like fixed what's wrong or whatever. Mm. And he's acting like he's just as good as them. And yeah. that I don't, well, it, for being a message film. That's, but I mean, it's I also saying, like it's it, also saying, look how politicians are. That's also part of its message is that I don't, I don't politicians. Like that. I feel like I mean, it goes against whatever message it was trying to tell. Well, I mean, it's it's, but that's the point is it's trying to say so many so many things mm. that mm. it's that you get lost in its preaching. Mm-hmm. I guess I don't know. Like, look how politicians are; they're mm-hmm. gonna jump onto whatever they can to to be popular. Mm-hmm. So, and also the way that this film ends doesn't make a lot of sense nope. either. Like, at all? Like, nope. zero sense? And uh, do you want to hear how the original Lysistrata ends? Please. So, they they make their deals. And then, uh, and Aristophanes basically wrote this scene in as, like, a, like he knew the audience would like this. Mm-hmm. Which, I kind of feel like they tried to go for that same vibe, but they just f- failed so hard. Is that the original Lysistrata ends with, as a peace offering... Uh, a woman is given to like the town or something. And it's literally this, the, as a scene is happening where there's, you know, reparations going on, there is a 
just nude woman standing in the middle of, of the stage. That's how the original Lysistrata ends. Because Aristophany knew that I can't make them sit through all this, you know, war treaty nonsense. And not have a naked And not have something that the men would like. Yeah. And so, I mean, he he got away with it because the play is actually, like, not bad. But this this film version, the way that they try and do that is... Ridiculous. Like a a sex off? Like, I don't even know what to call it. It's so weird. so weird. And it doesn't make any sense. And it's so counter to what everyone is trying to do. Mm -hmm. Ugh. Yeah, it's a. This is a weird movie. Super weird. Uh, and and it's kind of funny because I I like it when a film goes weird. I like it when a film takes a risk, jumps off a ledge, and says good luck with figuring me out. But Spike Lee's punching you in the face the whole film. But this is yeah, it was too much. Like too much went against itself. Mm-hmm. The message was too over the top. It was like every character was created in a way to like further the message. Yeah, and it was really ridiculous. It was, it was basically yeah. I mean I feel like my analogy is perfect everyone in the film was just pointing at the billboard mm-hmm. the entire time mm-hmm. like either even, pointing at it or like yelling at it like yeah, even <laughs> even when the men were like counter to the billboard they were like look how shitty we are <laughs> basically yeah so sorry uh, but I th- I believe I don't know when but this this film was made in part with Amazon Am- yeah, I Amazon saw Studios. It, I saw it pop up there. Uh, so it will be on Amazon Prime at some point. Oh, so you, interesting. If you have Amazon Prime uh, in the next month or so, you'll be able to watch it. You know, without having to go to a theater or rent it or whatever. I mean, it's. I don't know. If you know what you're getting into, there's some, there's some, there's some stuff in there. Mm-hmm. Like, man, Sam Jackson was so good. Mm-hmm. And visually, there's some cool stuff mm-hmm. he does, but. I don't know. I came away feeling like, yeah, that wasn't a bad movie. But the more I thought about it, I was like, oh, man. Like, I could have gone with like 75% less smack- being smacked in the face with a message. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's, uh, that's Sh- Chirac. Chirac. Do you like being a gangster? London in the 1960s. Everyone had a story about the craze. They were twins. Do you think we look alike? (laughs) Reggie was a gangster prince of the East End. Ron Cray was a one-man mob. Your brother is a violent, paranoid schizophrenic. What I'm trying to tell you is that he's off his rocker. Well, no, 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 no. It was time for the craze to enter gangster legend. London is going to be the Las Vegas of Europe. We need someone to front and someone to muscle. Asalu, come to Philadelphia. Is she a nice girl? We'll get it for you. I prefer boys. Italians. Sometimes great, but I am not prejudiced. <laughs> you got some balls to admit that, kid. Me and my brother, we're going to rule London. You could go straight. Life isn't always the way we want it to be. Things are getting completely out of control, and the American Mafia may also be involved. What exactly are you doing about it? We're going after the craze. You won't mind if I fight back, will you? Crime is a business. You don't want a war. I do, actually. Listen to yourself, you nuts! You hit me. Yeah. No! 
What is that? I come here for a proper shootout. A shootout, right? It's a shootout. Like a western. <laughs> Your brother, he's a loose cannon. We need you to do something about Ron. I can't do that. He's my brother. Legend. That's a movie. It's a film. Uh, starring... Tom Cruise. Uh, Hardy. No, Tom Cruise and... Really? You can't even pull a second name. You have to look it no, up No, no, no. I... I uh, Tim Curry. Oh, jeez. Okay. No, Tim Curry. Uh, Mia, Mia Sarah. Yeah, sure. Do you know what movie I'm talking uh, about? Yeah, the movie called Legend. I, that was one of my favorite like movies as a kid. 90-something. This is about a young man must start oh stop the Lord of, Lord of Darkness from both destroying daylight and marrying the woman he loves. Right, do we want to start this directed, off? Already? Directed by Ridley Scott. Complaining about the fact that this film is like has such a bland title. Yeah. So Legend is a film that came out in 2015. <clears throat> Tom Hardy. that legend makes sense that it's called Legend. Oh, sure. Uh, this is about... Um, uh, twin gangsters. Twin gangsters. In, the, in London, 1960s London. Reggie right. and Ronnie Cray. Cray. The Cray brothers. Mm, yep. They're criminals. Ooh, they're bad people. And, but they're suave. Oh, but they're with suits. Because yeah, it's real, the 60s. They look real nice. One of them's crazy. And the other one's just suave. The other one, he knows how to get a lady. <laughs> and he owns a club. <laughs> I give up. I'm done. <laughs> I can't even anymore. Uh... Yeah, I think it's like a Tom Hardy curse where he keeps being yeah. in films where um, they're good and then they're bad. They're good and then they're bad. Well, and like also like the titles the are bland. He was in um, oh shit, what was that called? I can only ever remember Lawless. He was in Lawless. Yeah, but I remember it better from the original title, which was the Wettest uh, County, or something like that. Huh. And it's yeah, because it's about bootlegging. A, yeah, that would have been a better yeah. one. So, and this one's called Legend. It probably had an original title like Those Cray Brothers or something Those like that. Those Cray Brothers. Um, That's a good title. Yeah, I'm just, I'm giving them away right now. Emily Browning is also in this. Yeah. Taryn Egerton, who we liked in uh, Kingsman. Yep. She's all up in there with her eyes. Yeah, Emily Browning. Man, it surprised the hell out of me when Kingsman Boy was in there. Yeah, but I then like, he's I know that kid. barely in there. Yeah. He kind of like, just shows up to be a weirdo. A couple scenes. Yeah. So, this film is like every other gangster film where we just see the rise to power and then the fall. Yeah. And it's not even like a rise to power. Like, he's, he already has a mediocre amount of power. Mm-hmm. And then it's it just, just like... How he gets the rest of it. I think it's all centered around his relationship. Well, like yeah. The, the, moment, one... the moment he tried to... He... I've, so, it's not so much about the power for me as it is the fact that he tried to love... Two people. He mm. tried to, like, he had to choose between the love of his family and the love of, of the woman that he cared about mm-hmm. and how that destroyed it. Everything. Mm. All right. And I think that's why the, it's narrated by, what's her name? By uh, his wife. His wife. Well, his eventual wife, whatever. Yeah. Um, I think that's Fra- why she Francis. narrates it. I think mm-hmm. that's why Frank, her brother Frank <laughs> and uh-huh. sister Frances. I, well, look, here's the thing. Uh, you you left the theater momentarily. Oh and, yeah, I missed and you something. Missed what I'm going to call the most ridiculous moment in a film that I experienced in my perhaps life. I want you to say this exact line the way you told it to me, please. I, oh God, I can't remember how I told it to you, but I'm I'm going to try to remember it. It was real good. In the spirit, 
in the spirit of what the line was. So as Emily Browning is narrating this entire film, we get to a point where her character kills herself. Which I saw coming, which is the reason why I was like, I'm going to go to the bathroom Yeah, now. smart. Because I'd rather not watch this but scene. But then, then when it's revealed fully that, that she is gone, uh-huh. in the narration she says something like, uh, oh, I bet you thought I'd make it through this film, didn't you? Too bad. <laughs> but, I did, no, but I didn't. But I didn't. <laughs> yeah, but was, I didn't. I think the exact line you I'm told me. I'm pretty sure that's exactly She said, but I didn't. <laughs> but I didn't. It's like, and she even says like film or story. Like yeah. she, She's like, oh, I bet you thought I'd make it. Nope. Not through this film. Not through this one. <laughs> and, and, and then you, it, in the parking lot, you were like, hey, do you remember American Beauty? <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a couple of films now that, I've, that I'm thinking about it that like, you know, have a, have have a, a narrator, narrator or whatever. Yeah. And it's like, God damn, this is so dumb. I'm it's, done The way with that these... they did it with this was so dumb, though, because there she just... goes, well, I guess I'm dead now. Two is, you know, like, I didn't make it. Is that what happened when you get to heaven? You're given a job and you one of your narrate, jobs could yeah. be narrating films? Mm-hmm. Like, is that... Is that how it works? Mm -hmm. No, because I definitely thought... So at the beginning of this film, when she's narrating it, I thought, oh, this is going to be like she turns him in. And this is part of her... Right. I think we were all waiting for that. that, Her court trial or whatever. And I think think as a filmmaker, they chose that to make us feel that way. Especially if... She'd be the only one coming out on the other end of it. Yeah, if we didn't know. Yeah. Because we didn't didn't know. Right. I didn't really... Whenever these... I'm getting kind of tired of based on a true story films. But because whenever these happen, I generally... I don't want to look them up. I don't want to look up the true oh, story. Oh, I never do. Yeah. Yeah. Because I'd like to experience spoilers. the film... They're technically spoilers. ...as a story. Yeah. Yeah. Unless I actually know what the story is, then I'm like, okay, yeah, I, I know going in. But for this one, I had no idea. And so that's kind of... Yeah, I definitely thought that was going to be the narrative, and then she dies, and I'm like, well, this is... What is this now? What What are we even doing here? Right. <sighs> That was that was ridiculous. It's just so weird because you get to the end of the movie, and and we talked a lot about message mm-hmm. in Chirac, mm-hmm. right? And that's a film where you knew the outcome because you'd read the play before. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I didn't, but we both came away from from that movie going, "Wow, there's definitely messages in there." Like you walk away from Legend, and you ask yourself, "What was I supposed to learn from that?" Or what was the, like what, what was, was the, the point? Journey, why, like what why was, was the... this film made? Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, telling good stories is good and all, mm-hmm. but you should also learn something at the end of them. Mm-hmm. I feel like anyway. Or, or it should be like what makes these gangsters different, and I guess from any other they're twins. And I guess, uh, but then it just turns into a whole story of like how he's a bad person still. Yeah, there's no redemption. Yeah, there's no. And how, how he's got, he can't have his loyalty to his family and to his wife. He mm. just can't have that. But, and also, it's one or the other. I think what really kills it for me is that a character who was essentially a joke throughout the entire film becomes his downfall. Yeah. And I was like, really? Yeah. This guy? Like, it was ridiculous. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I guess there's some, I'm not going to, like, there's some good scenes. You know? Yeah, there are some good scenes. And Tom Hardy does a lot of good <clears throat> character work. I mean, yeah, the interesting thing is that his brother, the craziest person in the film, becomes like, is one of the deepest characters mm-hmm. in the entire film. Like you see every facet of him. And by the end, when she like says goodbye to him, he's strangely sweet and mm-hmm. everything. And you can just tell that now this guy's just actually crazy. Like he, he's said and done all of these things in this film and he's just actually crazy, but they all, 
they were all true for him in that moment. Mm-hmm. Because well, he's real mean to her earlier. When when she's leaving, I think part of him is happy because he gets his brother back. Yeah. And then part of him, I think a part of him is happy because he knows that like, he, like his brother is bad to her, like yeah. and for her. Yeah. So there's like a so weird... So he does care for her at the same time. Yeah, and it's you so weird. see that. It's so weird. And you're like, this is a really complex, interesting character. But then... The rest of the movie, you're just like, okay, well, bad shit happened. Mm-hmm. They both died in prison. Spoilers. Like it's just, <laughs> I walked out of that movie going, oh, well, why was that film made? Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And that you should never walk out of a film and feel that way. Yeah, for me, it's um, this film is similar to Black Mass in the sense that I think what we're seeing isn't the best like not the best parts I'll say but like isn't even the craziest parts like there's the narrative put together here you know just paints a wide swath in yeah. the same way that Black Mass was just like oh wasn't he a bad guy I mean if, if we can even remember the film Black Mass the Johnny Depp uh, Black Mass no, film good. yeah good. and this film is, is similar in that way where it's like at the end of it it's like okay I guess he was a bad guy and that's it and he couldn't change his nature yeah so it's, uh, I mean, if anything, I mean, if you're a real Tom Hardy head, I guess this film was good for you because it is it is like really cool to see him play two very different characters. Yeah, I did like that. Mm-hmm. That that is, that is an actual interesting thing in this film mm-hmm. is watching him play. And they're, they're so different in every way. Mm-hmm. So that was cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, but I, I think in that same way, because it's based on reality, they have to hit some story beats that don't, you know, help the film. Don't help the film. They don't. And so it just kind of slows it down and makes it like, oh, what a slog. Like, we yeah. get through this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sorry. What can you do? What can um, you do? Do you have any other bright spots from this film? Who directed it? I, didn't I mean, I really liked this, the cinematography and some of the jokes were funny. Like, the, the film comes off on, like, just starts on such a high note where he's just messing with the police. Mm-hmm. And bringing them coffee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it comes in at such like a cute, fun moment. But after that, I didn't feel like I had any fun. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I can't remember another moment in the film where I was like, oh, I mean, that's fun. There was that scene where there's a confrontation between the brothers and some other gang in a bar. And oh, that the one brother's awesome. like, I'm going to leave. And then he comes back and they all beat everyone up. <clears throat> because he said he was ready for a gunfight and no one has any guns. So he's pissed off and he walks out. Mm-hmm. Then he comes back with hammers. Mm-hmm. And you're like, uh, I've seen the raid too. Mm-hmm. I've, I've seen a, what was that other one? Old boy. Old boy. Uh, okay. So this director, uh, Brian Hell. Helgeland? Helgeland? Something like that. Uh, before this, he has done uh, Payback, the Mel Gibson film uh, Payback. Okay. He did A Knight's Tale. Oh, that one's good. Something called The Order. I think that's Heath Ledger. Uh, uh, oh, God. There was a Payback sequel? There was? Is that is that what I'm looking at right now? Oh, my god. Well, he did it. He did 42. That was the, the baseball film. And then so Legend. he's done some stuff. He's done some stuff. Yeah, I don't know. He's a, he's been involved in some various things. I think he he's worked on other films as other other various capacities. Uh, but yeah, it's kind of I don't know if he has a. Well, it's based on a a book, huh. The Profession of Violence, by John Pearson. What the, this, the, this, this movie. movie is based mm-hmm. off of? I mean, it might be the book's fault. And Let's gonna, blame the book. We're going to get down to it. It's all that book's fault. Uh-huh. 
I don't know. If you like if you like Tom Hardy, see it when it comes out. Yeah, on yeah, DVD yeah. or whatever. Rent it for a dollar fifty from your local Redbox mm-hmm. and or uh you know, brick and mortar rental place if they still exist. Mm-hmm. Uh buy you. I know they exist, but the in one the bayou. bayou. Well yeah. Yeah. Out in the boondocks. Be uh where the Saints are. And 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 check it out because just just be aware that it's not trying to say something profound. It's not it's not trying to wow you with entertainment. It's just watch it for Tom Hardy. 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 Watch it for him because he does some pretty interesting stuff playing those dual roles. Are you ready for some good trivia right Oh, here? Please, please. Okay. So Tom Hardy. Yes. Uh, who plays, you know, the Cray brothers. The Crays. Uh, he also played in another film, uh, what they're calling Britain's most notorious prisoner, Charles Bronson. Oh, I love that film. In the film Bronson. Oh, I love that film. And apparently R- Reggie Cray mm. and Bronson knew each other in real life what while serving in prison together and after their first meet reportedly cray described it as the most frightening prison experience i've ever had now i want to see some somehow a mashup where it's just all tom hardy's <laughs> and it's just one of the cray brothers with bronson yeah you need, have you seen bronson yeah man that film's yeah, intense that's, that's a weird one that's <laughs> so, that's a weird one tom hardy has a very interesting career because he does take roles that are interesting mm-hmm. and i feel like the reason why he agreed to this one was because of how hard he was going to have to work playing two different characters mm-hmm, like that. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's worth seeing for that mm-hmm. at the very least. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of, oh man, it's so funny to think of like all the movies he's been in, like Mad Max and he's incredible. All this. He's got, I'm, he's got I'm, a really good range. Yeah. He's, mm-hmm. it's good. It's good stuff. Yeah. So yeah, Tom, Tom Hardy heads, go check it out. Yeah, definitely. Listen to me. I'll tell you what's going to come of you. You are going to grow up and be a strong, smart young woman. Go to school, meet a fine young man, have beautiful children of your own, and you're going to build wonderful things. And that is what is going to happen to you. Joy, by the way. Hi, you're listening to Nerds Eye View, and we're going to review a film called Joy that uh, came out recently. Uh, I'm Andrew. I'm Jordan. And this film, 
Joy. It was directed by David O. Russell. Uh, he also uh, uh, worked on the screenplay for it, starring Jennifer Lawrence as the title character. Uh, also, Robert De Niro, uh, Bradley Cooper, Edgar Ramirez, uh, you know, some other Virginia Madsen, Diane Ladd, Isabella Rossellini. Uh, lots of different uh, people show up in this film. It's based on a true story, uh, more or less, mm-hmm. of of this woman who uh, is is kind of like an inventor. Uh, she she ends up uh, you know running running a business, but it's about it's kind of more about the struggle that it takes for her to even get there, right? Yeah, that's and, that's kind of the feeling that you get the whole way. It feels like a summush, a, a summation of her obstacles to be becoming su- successful as yeah. a as a businesswoman and as an inventor and all these things, mm-hmm. and how those those obstacles were instilled. F- in her by her family mm-hmm. and how they affect her affected her when she was a child and how they affect her now as an adult and how a person like that, like what they need to overcome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think this, this, this film has a very, I, I'll just, I mean, a very strange setup where you kind of get a, a vision of her as a, as you know, growing up as a child and it's kind of like, she wants to believe that she doesn't need anyone to support her more or less. She doesn't, yeah. And uh, and then I her, have this power. I I can do it all on my. I can own. do it all on my own. And then kind of what society tells her, and, and and it just comes right through is her grandmother just telling her like the grandmother's the narrator, and I really enjoyed that her part of it. Yes, because she was just so sweet. And uh, but even as part of that, as part of society, she has to you know she tells her like you're going to grow up, you're going to meet a man, you're going to get married, and that's what you're going to do. Like you're not you're not going to have. But but she's also you know, weirdly like the voice of reason. Of uh, of the one that gives her hope because mm. she also says you're gonna do many great things. Yeah, you're gonna build mm. many great things. Mm-hmm. Whereas her father and her mother are both telling her no, that's unrealistic. Her, her stepsister? Oh, Is it half yeah, sister? Or her half sister. Yeah, they're all just. Oh man, when they it's when rough. they when they okay, and so and then we jump from that point to a point later in her life. Where she is an adult, she has two children, she has an ex-husband, yep. her parents are separated and they don't like each other. She has this half-sister who's a total bitch. Yeah. And I, you know, I don't like saying that, but for her, I'll fucking 100%. say 100%. She's, She's a horrible I, person. I hate her so much. Horrible Especially, person. I mean, it, 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 I don't want to say that I know people like that, but it's just like when, when, it's, when it's a person who wants to one-up you all the uh-huh. time and it's like you come up with something that's actually good and they say, oh, I've had ideas forever. And you're yeah. like, shut the fuck up. You've like, never once said it in your entire never once life. Said any of this shit. You just want to like claim that you're better than me and you're not. Yeah. And it's like that really like whenever she had to interact with her half sister, I was like, oh my God, I want to kill this woman. Like it and, was like the worst. And when you look at everyone else in her life, like they just have problems. Like her yeah. mom is is really xenophobic. She doesn't want to go outside. And like yeah. She she's just phobia. She's she's like stuck in her bed watching TV all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, her dad is just like a serial monogamist and, and is always abusive. always abusive slightly it's, like not abusive physically but definitely abusive like emotionally mm-hmm. and because of just his violent outbursts mm-hmm. that he has. And but you look at those two people and you feel bad for them. Yeah. You know? And you look at her ex-husband and you're like, well, he tried to make it, but he's like the only good person in this film. Well, I think he also had problems. Yeah, he definitely I, has his I, own I, issues. I don't, I don't want to like d- start diagnosing film characters, but he might have had like depression. Like, yeah, there's there a really lot. something there that... There's a lot going on there. They gloss over, but you get the feeling of like, oh yeah, I think 
I think he had a problem. But that's why I think her 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 half sister stands out so much. Mm-hmm. Is she is clearly vindictive. Yeah. Whereas everyone else just has problems, mm-hmm. and the fact that she's surrounded by these people and her problems, that's what's negatively affecting her life. Mm-hmm. But she feels responsible. Yeah. And she cares about yeah, these she's, people. She's like jumping through hoops to solve all the problems that they are and helping them to her. at every turn mm-hmm. at her own detriment. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. It's a it's a tough. I mean, when that when the film gets going, it's kind of like oh my god! Like you see all these horrible things. And you're like, this is your life. Mm-hmm. Wow. I really, I, I really enjoyed how they did. Um, you jump right in and you get all that, and then uh, they take just a very quick moment, uh, a little bit into the film, to explain the whole ex-husband situation, how they met, and then the whole that wedding flashback, which was just a nightmare, like an absolute nightmare. Oh man! Yeah. And then very quickly we get the picture. You know, it's like two kids, and he's not helping, and it's like he's not helping because he thinks he can be a big singer or something. Like, but also it's just it kind of you kind of get the feeling of like, oh, he has like he, not just he, yeah, he does. He feels like he shouldn't even have to go out and have a day job. He's like, no, singing is you know it. He's the version like he's a great person, mm-hmm. but he has too much hope. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? He's got his head into the in the clouds. Yeah. And he can't see the world realistically, but that that just makes him contrast with everyone else in her life so strongly. Yeah, and it's it's kind of uh, like a crazy image of of you know characters in a film of uh, an ex husband and ex wife, and they get along. Yeah, it's not that they it, you know it's it's what broke them apart was that they weren't a good you know team in a marriage. Yeah, but but they still like you know they don't hate each other. It's really yeah, they're, that's really they're simple. good friends and they support each other. Mm-hmm. Like that's crazy. Like they weren't good married. But they were good together still. It's really interesting and like a take that I've seen on, that I haven't seen on a divorced couple before mm-hmm. that is just nice mm-hmm. because Especially you can tell given, they both care about these kids. You, you kind of, uh, do they actually say what year it is ever? No. You get the idea that it's not now because later on in the film, uh, it, it becomes is, a, a plot point that QVC, the TV channel, is a new thing. And uh, I mean, I feel like that kind of dates the film in such a way. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but other than that, okay. So QVC was founded in 1986. Yeah. So some of the film takes it place explains, before that. Yeah. So it explains the look of the characters. Yeah. The I mean, that, that explains a lot actually. Mm. And it was in Chester, Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. Wow. But yeah, it's a. I th- I think. Um, I mean, the film handles time in an interesting way. Yeah. You never just, quite just to understand bring up how that. yeah how long anything between scenes is. Yeah, you don't know if a day has passed, a month has passed. I kind of felt it was weird, like it was always snowing, always. And then at one point, I realized, oh, is it Christmas all the time? Like it yeah. seemed like it was Christmas all the time. Like we were just, I don't know if we were skipping years mm-hmm. or what. It was really interesting, um, but I mean, we just have that flashback in the beginning. I don't even feel like that's where the movie starts. I feel like that's a flashback, mm-hmm. and then we've got the main section of her life where she's doing everything she can to get this idea off the ground, this invention. Yeah, that goes chronologically, where we get yeah. we get the idea of what her life is now, mm-hmm. how she gets the idea, how she makes it and brings that to fruition. And that's got to be months, right? Or at least a year. Years, probably. Yeah, but yeah. it never says that. Mm-hmm. And because when you reach a certain age, you don't you don't really look that different, mm-hmm. you know, when years passed. Yeah. It's hard to tell. But one thing I noticed is her kids during that section mm-hmm. don't really age all that much. So yeah. I feel like maybe a year or two at the most mm-hmm. 
But uh, I, I think a complaint that I've had in the past, and a complaint I had about Jennifer uh, Lawrence in uh, Silver Lane's playbook, is that even though she is supposed to be young in that film, mm-hmm. I feel like she was herself too young to be playing that role. Uh, yeah. And I feel like that hurt that role in that film for me, okay. personally. Especially because she's paired up with Bradley Cooper, and we're supposed to get the idea that he's also kind of young. Not mm-hmm. as young as her character, but, uh, you know, not... As not old, super as, old, not the actual age difference they have in real life, mm-hmm. and so I, I, I always felt like that she was miscast. And here, she, I mean, it's a couple of years later, uh, she mostly looks the same, but I feel like something has happened where either she's acting better or she just somehow, I, 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 you know, I did some math in my head and I was like, you know what, yeah, she, she fits. This is to me, this is realistic. Of this, this is a, I mean, she has two kids and. One of them can't be older than what five, six, seven, mm-hmm. and so if they got married at you know and had children at nineteen, twenty, this is you know she looks the part, and I I bought it immediately. I didn't I didn't question it for a second, unlike so, in Silver Linings Playbook where I was Im- questioning it immediately and constantly. So in in real life, Joy made the Moppet uh, ninety uh, nineteen ninety, mm-hmm. and uh, QVC was started four years before that. Mm-hmm. And so she would have been thirty-four. Yeah, so they're you know they're playing with it a little bit. But, yeah, but I you know I buy into she, it. She, yeah, I mean, yeah. <clears throat> You're gonna. She doesn't look the same. No, she looked young. Oh, okay. Like it, uh, you can just tell that she would have looked very young at that time. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think um, I really like that because. Uh, but my one of my favorite parts of Soling's playbook is, and this kind of carries over here, Robert De Niro. Yeah, as the as a father figure, I think that's a very, um, I think that's like a very a good role that he pulls off, and I like that David O. Russell is kind of you know helping usher him into it in a sense. Right, right, yeah. Mm-hmm. Where he can play this very different role than what he's played before, where it's more like he's looking out, you know, for for younger people. I kind of like that. Yeah, we we I mean we talked about that in our intern review, I think even. Mm-hmm. But that's you know that's a very enjoyable thing to to see Robert De Niro do. I think it's a little funny that they they play up that uh, Bradley Cooper is in this film. Mm-hmm. I think that's really just because he's kind of a star right now. Yeah, he him and Jennifer Lawrence were you know stars together in Silver Linings Playbook. Yep, um, and so they're kind of playing up. Oh, he's in this too. But there's no there's absolutely no romantic interest between the two of them. No, she they're, they're he's, like business partners. Yeah, and he he gives her the chance. Like he he kind of takes an extra step more than than most businessmen would take in helping her reach her goal. Mm-hmm. And like it was just that little bit that she needed mm-hmm. to be successful. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, and even with like she gets success and then she keeps facing hurdles. She keeps yeah. facing people Stuff trying keeps to happening. take away what she has built. And it's also because of the fact that she's she's trusting people that she should know better than to trust. Yeah, it's kind of like she doesn't realize how. I mean, she keeps saying it's not fair, it's not fair, but like business can be so unfair. Yeah. Because people in certain business practices, they don't follow like any kind of moral guide per se. They follow a the law, law. As, as, but as, as loosely as they as can. As loose as they can, yeah. yeah. And, and whenever she gets advice, she's getting it from her family because she's close to them. Yeah. And in no way are they experts about anything they ever talk about. Even, I mean, I want to talk about the that crazy ending where you know they the the ex husband was right. He was like this. The you know, whole the time. lawyer was bad, 
and yeah, didn't and know what maybe, the hell he was talking. And maybe about. talking to an expert at any point would have been a yeah. good idea. And then the the uh, Isabella Rossellini as the you know the whatever her name was the businesswoman who and who she gives she, all this money. She says, well. Business is like this. Mistakes are made. And now you owe us a bunch of money. Like, it's crazy. We all have to declare bankruptcy. It's and all everyone's, your fault. Everyone's claiming that, it's her fault when you know, they were the ones who gave her the bad information. Oh, and, and it just broke my heart when when Robert De Niro, you know, her father says to her, Man, I'm sorry that, that I speech, gave you hope. I'm I wanted sorry to that punch, I told you I've never, you could do whatever you wanted. I've never in my life wanted to punch Robert De Niro in the face. <laughs> but when he said that, I just yeah. wanted to... Just, oh, my goodness. Yeah, it was really, like, gut-wrenching. And that's... Um, that's like right at the end of the film when she now uh, I kind of like that she goes out and figures out, you know, that everyone's been screwing her over the whole time that she does. Yeah. When she does the legwork herself, it kind of becomes apparent. Um, but I kind of thought it was dumb that she had to cut her hair. I think that's like a dumb shorthand. Right. But I mean, it's a shorthand and I don't want to I don't want to claim to know a lot about women. But when it comes down to it, like when people feel like they need to make changes in their life, mm. they do stuff like that. Like women change just, their hair color. Yeah, but it just feels like such a movie shorthand because she like does it herself and then it turns out looking like really great. I kind of, I was like, okay, come on. What are we going to do? But it, I, but I, I like that final like confrontation that she has where she finds out what's really going on the whole time. And then we get a glimpse into the future. Yeah. And it, but the, narr- the the way that the narration goes is like she doesn't know that this is what this gonna is happen, what it's going to be like that this is what it's going to turn into. But here we have it, uh, this you know this amazing life that she's going to live. I thought that was kind of fun. I kind of think I I like that this film took a very like close approach to a very specific event, a very specific like period. Right. It didn't try and like gloss over it and then go into because it says in the she didn't know you know the future like all the other things she goes on to make. Yeah. I like that this film was very much focused on her first invention and how hard that was for her. What would you think? The, the beginning of this film begins with like a weird dedication where it's like, this is a true story of one woman, one woman, but many women have, you know, done this or whatever, something like that. Um, is that trying too hard? I mean, I get tired of the whole declaration of this is true. Believe I f- it. I feel like that should have been at the end of the movie. Maybe. Uh, but I do think it's it's uh, it's very interesting that the way that this film goes is that she is essentially independent. She never, I mean, to get anything done, she has to do it herself. Yeah. And she, you know, at the end, it's like, like I said, she doesn't fall in love with Bradley Cooper. It's not like that's, you know, that's, I think that's what, a, a, you know, a typical film would do. But in, in a sense of trying to stay closer to the truth or something, it manages to find that she's better off... Um, you know, by herself and, and marketing, you know, herself and uh, making her own things and taking care of her own business practices. Yeah. I mean, she's almost like uber independent. Yeah, she's... But it's because she has so many people relying on her mm-hmm. and she's taken on the burden of almost everyone else in her life. Mm-hmm. So she's not independent per se, mm-hmm. but... She's carrying everyone in her life, and it's incredible. Oh, uh, uh, something we haven't talked about yet, but it's a huge part of the film, is the use of soap operas. The The mother, uh, Jennifer Lawrence's mother in this, is obsessed with a certain soap opera and has been watching it for decades. And uh, so the, the, the opening scene is like a scene from the soap opera. It, it, it straight up is. But it, but it also... 
it mimics kind of, you know, what, like a struggle that Joy goes through, a struggle that perhaps many or most women go through where, mm. you know, uh, p- people are always trying to take away what you have. And take advantage of you. And take advantage of you. And, and, it, and I, I really enjoy that that, like this image of the soap opera kind of pervades the rest of the film. The rest of the film. And, and it almost makes, if someone were to come to this film and be like, wow, like everyone's kind of overacting a little bit. It's kind of extreme. Like this is all super intense. You can just look at that soap opera in the first scene and be like, well, the film is kind of admitting the fact that it is dramatizing stuff mm-hmm. and that everything may not have been this crazy. And these people may not have been this horrible. But the fact that they are makes us appreciate the main character so much. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of taking that on. Because the way, like, um, the the way they talk about the rotating set that they have at the QVC, Mm -hmm. when you see that, it puts her house and those opening scenes of the way it keeps flipping between rooms and how she walks around it. Mm -hmm. And it it makes you realize that they they were already doing that in the film. Mm -hmm. You're rotating between these houses. Your focal point is that entry room. Mm -hmm. And whenever she walks from one room to another, and it comes back to the house many times, uh, you're moving around. So her life is is pretty much not only a soap opera, but it's on display for us. Mm -hmm. We are the viewers of the QVC channel, and they're trying to sell us this story I, I i absolutely loved uh like bradley cooper's speech that oh, he gives in that good moment speech when he's when he's telling how they sell it and you know what what everything does and the phone and he's like the hands he's like and here we go and the calls the calls are coming in the calls yep. keep coming with the calls look at that number it's gonna hit twenty thousand. it's gonna hit twenty five thousand. like i was super into that yeah like that i was like i love anything that's you know, like about television yep like behind the scenes nature of it and mm-hmm. that was just i was super into that and I wish that was more of the film, perhaps. Right. But it's it's good that that was given enough focus that it, it I think it flushed out what was going on with the whole QVC thing. Mm-hmm. That was fun. Yeah, we got to see into a world that nowadays seems quaint. You know, with Amazon, like QVC still exists. Yeah. But if you want to buy something, you just go on Amazon. You press. Yeah. You, you type something in. You can have it in your house in two days. Yeah. Uh, just the idea of this whole thing is super interesting, but. Like, this was a revolutionary idea oh, yeah. at this time. It was huge. Very few people had heard of it unless you had like cable TV. Mm-hmm. And and it's the main reason why she became popular mm-hmm. is because she got to be up on that stage and sell her stuff. And it was like it was live. That was live television. Live TV. That, you know, people people would call into. Like that was so crazy. Yeah. It combined it it combined the best parts of like a radio show. Mm-hmm. With TV and advertising. Yeah, it was, but it was 100% an advertisement. The, there was nothing on QVC that wasn't selling you something. And we got to see young Joan Rivers. Yeah, played by her daughter. It's crazy. That's crazy. It's just like her. Yeah. It was so weird. It's weird. It's weird stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I'm kind of curious. Uh, here's uh, kind of a sticking point for me. Do you think that, um, whatever his name was, Todd, mm-hmm. the guy who was supposed to sell them off the first time and failed, do you mm-hmm. think he did that on purpose? Or was he just actually bad at selling i think i think it was many things it was it was the fact that it was a a brand new idea it was the fact that she had made him feel pressure by telling him that everything was riding on it i just think it was a couple things that uh that he they talk about being him him being such a great seller but it's something that i believe the reason why it sold so well for her Mm. 
is because she was coming from a place of this is my life. Yeah, yeah. This is my experience. Mm -hmm. I know the life you live. And um, the reason why you want this is because I wanted this, so I decided to make it myself. And that really connected with people. Mm -hmm. And you look at Todd, and you know Todd's never done that crap in his life. Yeah, he but can't sell it. He, it, we're kind of given the idea that he sells well. Yeah, but we don't know if he sells anything in the kitchen. I, I feel like in a sense, like he, not that he sabotaged it, but that he just didn't. He didn't believe in it. He didn't believe in it. Yeah, and, there was and, something there where he was missing something because when he, because we don't really see him, we see him screw around with it and then just like just say out loud, "Oh, this is hard to use." Yeah, I think like I that, think it was just a matter of. It being such a new idea mm. and this new invention, mm. and unlike anything else, it was just way out of his wheelhouse. It was he was the wrong person to sell that yeah. in the first place because never at any point did she explain to him how to use it. Yeah, do you know what I mean? They just I gave it to him and said, then "Go sell off. this," yeah. uh-huh. and that's that was the worst thing possible. It didn't work until she did it. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's important that's the most important thing that's the only reason it worked oh, i do really enjoy uh, there was an earlier scene where she was essentially doing the qvc pitch but in, in a, the parking in lot, parking lot of a supermarket Jeez. nobody was buying it but it was just but they even they tried it that you could tell that was were, like the test run yeah they were watching it and it was kind of like oh this is like people will do this like this is you know this is what qvc i mean comes if you from. if you think about the way things were sold a long time ago yeah like I think I even like some mall kiosk today. Like right, they, they do that, that or way. or you'll walk down New York, or you'll walk down a street in New York, and there'll be people on the side of the sidewalk selling stuff. Like mm-hmm. that is a thing, and QVC just took that and televised it and made it live. Yeah. So, I really enjoyed this film. It's yeah, a little, it's, it's a little wonky, but it's weird. Yeah, it's for it's weird. I like that it it was willing to delve into the weird soap opera stuff. I like that. Uh, because I like it when a film knows that it's a film. It doesn't need to be like here's a serious recreation of the events that happened. It can, it can give you a little, a uh, couple of moments of. Uh, I I mean I it's it's kind of magical realism. It's kind of um, yeah. But as soon as the dream started, I was like, wait, of, what is this film uh, and where are we going? What do they call it? Oh, in 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 a stage like play, mm-hmm. they call it theatricality. It's something oh, that is, it is unreal. Heavy. It is heavy in yeah. theatricality, which which I I like that in movies. I love that in movies. Mm-hmm. I mean, I when I think of parts of movies that I love, it's the parts where this doesn't make sense. Here's a thing that's happening that isn't real, yep. But it's it's coming from a place of emotion. It's coming from a place of understanding, a place of like being, which is you know when she has the dream that is the soap opera, but her family's in it, and the plot of that episode is that they kill her. And then she goes to her own funeral and it's like her younger self is like, hey, you need to get it together. Like, that's kind of crazy. Like, that's that's a crazy moment. And I love it. I don't know. Any final thoughts on Joy? I think it was good, too. It's just, you know, not for everybody. Uh, it's definitely got its weird moments. And the, the way it's made is very different than what you see in most big films. Like, when I, when I walked away from it, I kind of felt like this was a really good indie film, but it wasn't advertised like an indie film. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it tells an interesting story. I really like where it goes. I love her moment at the end of the film where she really heads off against the representative of that company in Texas. Mm-hmm. And you're like, yes, she's taking control of her life. Mm-hmm. And Well, she was trying to take control of her life every step of the way. But it was, it was only once she got to the highest... She had to get to the first she, person that screwed her over. And she had to go as low as possible. At that point, she had signed away everything. She yeah. had claimed bankruptcy mm-hmm. bankruptcy at that point. And it's just, man. 
All right, so I think what we're saying is uh, go see Joy. Yeah, uh, it's it's interesting. Um, if you if you're intrigued by the things we've been talking about, you'll enjoy it. Yeah, I think uh, just a final. Yeah, the trailer doesn't really show you much. It shows you a lot of crazy images. Right. Uh, but I think that kind of that's good. I think that kind of gets you into it. Mm-hmm. I think that kind of works. Hello out there in Benview Podcast Land. My name is Josh and this is Jesse. Hello. And we happen to do a podcast about video games called the Extra Damage Cast. Indeed we do. If you like to talk about video games or more accurately listen to other people talk about video games, you should check out our podcast. It's at extradamage.com or on the Benview Network website, whatever that is. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. Uh, you know, I hope you enjoyed all of our reviews. Yeah. Uh, next week, we'll be coming back with uh, a review of The Revenant, mm-hmm. which is going to be in a wider release. Yeah, it's been it's been a very limited release for the last what, like two weeks? Yeah, it had a very long limited release. They just thing. they want to make sure it comes out in at the end of the year so it can have uh, Oscar possibilities. Yeah, yeah I think yeah, that. Yeah. yeah, you're right. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway. Uh, let's give uh, some thanks first of all to uh, Silent Partner who did our theme song, which Software we got maker. from yeah we got it from the YouTube Audio Library. Uh, go to YouTube.com/slash/audiolibrary for that and more. If you like our logo, uh, you should find Justin Keyson. He drew it. Uh, Agents it, of Guard, right? Yeah, Agents of Guard is the website that he writes at. That's agentsofguard.com. Uh, if you like podcasts, you should also check out Shut Up Leonard, uh, which is wrapping up me and oh, yeah. me and Benson talking about community. The end of an era. Uh, you, you're going to hear it here first. Right now, I'm going to tell you the upcoming episode is where we revisit season four. Uh, we watch all of season four with commentary by the various people who made it. Jeez. And uh, we try and make sense of it. It's a, it's quite a ride. Go, go check out that episode, that's guys. That's intense. It's coming up this week. And um, yeah, that's uh, Shut Up Leonard. And another podcast that I do with Benson is called Pick Your Path. Uh, season one is is available right now for you to go find in your podcast player. It's an enhanced podcast, and it's in the style of Choose Your Own Adventure stories. Uh, we've written out, uh, you know, fully original Choose Your Own Adventure stories that you can listen to, uh, like an audiobook, but with choices. <clears throat> Excuse me. And what else do I say right now? If Tom is here, he'd tell you about Optograb.org, and uh, his he writes short stories on Amazon and Smashwords and all that. Yeah. Uh, what else? Benson's Boombox had an episode recently. Right. Yeah, that was exciting. Wow. Uh, what's, what's this? There's so much going on in the world of Benview. Uh, Star Wars Nerds Unite. Of course, they're they're big right now because Star Wars just came out. Yeah. And uh, Tim, uh, one of their hosts, was interviewed on an, on a radio station uh, that that was in New York, and it'll be up online somewhere uh, sooner now. So go check that out. Uh, and just trying to go through the list of everything that's happening right now. I'm just going to pass it off to Jordan. Uh, I do a bit of streaming over at Twitch under the uh, Gamer Assault Weekly channel. So that's twitch.tv backslash Gamer Assault Weekly. I'm handling the Saturday shows. Uh, this week I'm going back to Bloodborne because I actually finished the Old Hunters DLC, finished the game, realized I missed two things that I needed. But the, I'm now in New Game Plus, so I have to start all over from the beginning. So I'm going to see how far I can get uh, over a two to maybe four-hour period. We'll see how I'm feeling that day. But uh, definitely follow at GA Weekly for updates on our, our streaming and, of course, for all the other 
wonderful video game news that you may or may not care about. And uh, you should check out all the other podcasts on the Benview Network, benviewnetwork.com. And my personal Twitter is at PodcasterAndrew. I'm at TrueValk. And I guess that about wraps it up. Come back next week for The The Revenant. And Jordan? (laughs) Remember, listeners, if a shady individual in a suit walks up to you and says, well, first of all, is rhyming with every speech that he says, but he looks really familiar. Trust him. But then if he talks about, hey, you should come down to the pub and have a drink with the twins, maybe don't. And then finally, he's going to tell you about an invention, and I think it might change your life. So enjoy that. Like it, it almost it's does, like flashback. And, and then it's like, now let's tell the real and then story. Shag, Shaggy and the gang come on board, <laughs> and then all of a sudden you're on the set of Wayne's World. Yeah, it's just kind of like. This podcast is a part of the Benview Network. You can find this and other podcasts like it at BenviewNetwork.com.